0: we do it we're doing live <laughs> WNBC <laughs> dude. We got a special show today. Mr. James McTeague director Hello, of nice V for Vendetta, three. Ninja assassin, several sense eight episodes. What are you working on now? The Messiah or Messiah? Matrix. 4, uh, right. Didn't you say? It
1: right? Yeah, I did. I did Messiah. I, I did mm-hmm. that for Netflix that uh, came out uh, last year. And so this past uh, almost two years, I guess, getting on to two years, I've been doing uh, Matrix 4. So I, I slid straight from Messiah and uh, Matrix 4. And, you know, we had a little, we got started. We had a little hiccup with the pandemic. But...
0: Yeah, I was going to say, how's, how's the pandemic been affecting your Matrix 4 shoot?
1: Um, we were just about to get going just as the pandemic hit. We were probably like two weeks. We uh, shot a bunch of stuff in San Francisco you know, early in 2020, um, in the early months of 2020. And then uh, after we did the location stuff there, we were shifting to Berlin to do all the studio stuff. And uh, just as we were about to start the studio stuff, the pandemic hit. So we went down for about two months. Um, I came back to Los Angeles where I live. And then we got back up and going with a whole, you know, different set of protocols. We actually, I think, cause we were one of the first larger Hollywood films to get going, we, you know, we established a whole bunch of protocols on how to shoot and nice. we went off and did it. So we shot in the middle of the pandemic, which was kind of-
0: Trailblazing as always, and there's Matrix Yeah, right, fans. huh? Yeah.
1: There you go. Well, <laughs> you know, like talking about trailblazing, the last time, uh, you know, we uh, had to go around with the Matrix, it was 9-11. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, you know it's, it's kind of you know, circular. Every time you make a matrix, watch out for some you know worldwide <laughs> event. That's right. That's Mr. Smith in the real Matrix trying to shut yeah. you guys down. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> right, that's right, completely right. <laughs> trying to blow in the lid. Yeah. But so, dark.
0: of course, we're not really going to pump you for spoilers, any shit like that on the Matrix. We wouldn't be so rude. But uh, are AD on it again, right? First AD.
1: Uh, no, I'm not. I mean, I, you know, that's, you know, I haven't done that for a long time now. What are you, you doing
0: know? on the Matrix, exactly? Just uh, second unit uh, directing? Uh, what?
1: No, we sort of co-direct, me and... Oh, really? Uh, nice. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of stopped nice. I, you know, like, you know, we've had a long history together, you know, we did all... Of, I did the first Matrix as an AD, right, as you right. pointed out, and I did the second and third one as an AD, and then that was when I stopped ADing, so I stopped mm-hmm. ADing in about 2003, I guess, And ever since then i've been directing and you know this is the first one that she that uh, lana uh, hasn't has not done with her sister lily so you know in the way that we sort of uh did sensate together where we sort of like you know co-direct and you know i I guess you know in the way that the directors guild works that uh, you can't have uh two people soul credit yeah of of the, the same surname so Mm-hmm. I get a producer credit, you know, much like the way in the guys that the John Wick uh, franchise mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so th- that's what I've been doing. So it's been nice to, you know, this is, you know, doing this yeah. movie is like 23 years of my history. Uh, yeah, up. it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah crazy so yeah, self-reflective it's like, time and everything, you know. Oh my God, you know, like some days you're there like going, what? You know, like. Okay. You, you just feel this, um, uh, this flow through everything that you've just ended up and you go, wow, how did I end up here doing the matrix again? But, you know, circle, yeah because people
0: fucking love the matrix
1: right, right yeah yeah right there you go yeah yeah you know, I had a, you know I, but i had a you know like my experience of coming back was all great right like you know me and lana said okay you know we're gonna do it Let, let's do it but i had this very similar experience because as an ad i worked on a star wars movie way yeah. back and
0: you told us some good stories last time we saw you we were having a beer to in la because you were attached to direct our pilot for this TV yeah. show, The Revenger, we had under option with the Weinsteins. And you told us a couple of Star Wars stories. I feel like you had told us something that you wouldn't probably tell on a podcast. I can't remember exactly what it is, but uh any Star Wars wow. stories you got, any Matrix stories, throw them yeah. in that mix.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. Well, no, I was just about to say, you know, my experience coming back to the Matrix was good. And, you know, like, you know, me and Lana, I think we're like in a really good place about coming back. But I remember standing in the Tatooine, uh kind of village you know like the subterranean Ice. village in star wars in tunisia with george you know we wait uh, with george um, lucas waiting for the sun to go down right <laughs> and I stand there and he's looking around he's looking around and i go hey how are you feeling about being back here doing this and he's like uh, I can't believe my life has come to this 25 years later. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And I'm like, you Sound know. Sound kind so of melancholic a, there. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah another one of these fucking right. things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's that thing, you know, like as a, a director, you feel like you never want to get defined by one thing. And it's sure. <laughs> Almost like impossible to not be defined by you know if you make sort of an, an epochal film you know like like a yeah. Star Wars or Apocalypse <laughs> yeah. Now or you know a Matrix right I, in some ways people always define you by that movie you know like i'll forever you know and luckily enough it's a like a good one i'll forever be defined by v for vendetta and it doesn't matter what i do mm-hmm. right i mean that'll be the movie
0: that uh, yeah we definitely want to touch on that bad boy for a second yeah, at some point yeah. but uh you mentioned coppola in there and yeah. we're actually you know we do this my favorite movie thing on here and you thrown out apocalypse now or at least Godfather a retrospective too. of coppola at least through the 70s um, yeah. like you said, that he kind of didn't allow himself to be defined. Yeah, I don't it's know how he the Godfather off,
2: but... and Apocalypse. Now you know those are pretty divergent. And they're moving into you know Rumblefish
0: and, he- and you know mm-hmm. he's always just kept it pretty, pretty moving. Yeah. and diverse.
1: Yeah, I think like because that guy is you know he's he's got to be like one of the the bravest filmmakers out there, right? For sure. You know, in a, yeah, in a way, he's kind of like. He's like a post-war, you know, film director, you know, and I mean like fifties and sixties, you know, like right. you have like a guy like Billy Wilder, for example, who would do had such a an amazing career, you know, he did you know Double Indemnity, some like at height, you know, like all these very in the whole, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. the whole, like all these really disparate movies that, you know, now people once they find a, a genre that they like, they stick in, and I and I think like. Coppola, you know he he dared to go all over, right? Because as soon as he finished the Godfather, you know he did the conversation, which you go, mm-hmm. with. Yeah. kind of this small yeah. intimate movie. Then he does this sort of epic King Learian kind of Godfather Part Two, you know, what yes. does, uh, you know, when the family's been wreaked havoc, yeah, like an amazing movie. And then the next movie he does is Apocalypse Now, and you just go, oh God, wow, this is like, I know, man, incredible, Touring yeah, and yeah, this, but I, I would say. You yeah, say it's
0: difficult nowadays probably because of the corporate side of it and the risk aversion and everything that they try and box you in as a creative so that they can continue to pump out yeah. bankable movies that feel less risky but remember i just watched hearts of darkness hmm. he put up his own money for Apocalypse now
1: yeah I know. <laughs> I know he did yeah yeah so, so I, no one would ever do truly that. crazy yeah truly
2: 10 million dollars plus like gave um yeah. martin brando a one million dollar advance out of his or he had to you know leverage against his assets and everything and then he almost lost it because you know brando was like oh the schedule's slipping i'm out fucking i'm taking your million <laughs> yes
1: and yeah yeah but to... like also like kind of great like all those stories you know he turns up he hasn't read the script right, right? Mm-hmm. and he's like well like." You know well, let's talk about it you know let's do, let's talk about the movie like what's the movie about can right? read the
0: script or the reference material hearts of darkness the <laughs> yeah. heart of darkness yeah.
2: yeah and he gained all the weight and everything which just god's way showed up like, on set like not
0: like, now yeah. it just so happens to his perfect. credit and to his luck being brando's that coppola scrapped the entire ending that Milius had written anyway Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when Brando arrived there really was no ending he was in the process of rewriting the shit in the jungle on the fly which is crazy
1: yeah I mean replacing
2: the lead like he did you know so deep into the film just it's insane
1: yeah no you know like obviously you know I um got to work with Lawrence Fishburne too right and because he was also you know he was a also in Apocalypse Now and you know when we were doing the second and third matrix they released that uh apocalypse now redux or redo yep. you know um and so uh fishburne put on a a scr- a, a screening uh oh a, shit. And, uh, yeah and so uh sat at the back and did sort of like a you know like a almost like an actor's commentary like throughout the movie and oh, you know nice. as, as you were just uh saying that chris you know he he uh there's a boat where the uh, there's a shot sorry um, there's a shot where the pbr boat gets lifted um out of the water you know um at the delta of the river there in the movie and Fishburn yells out from the back that's the uh, that's the only shot in the movie harvey kite tells him
2: hilarious
1: <laughs> uh.
2: What do you, you think know, of the Redux version? I, I like the plantation scene that they had cut in the original, everything. I kind of dug it, but maybe because I was... The acid trip everything. with the bunnies? The yeah, chopper. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I kind of I liked it too, right? I mean, there's like yeah. a, there's really like a lot of good uh, stuff in that. It sort of makes it um, thematically, a narrative uh, not as concise, and even though the other yes. one mm-hmm.
2: More you like an odyssey. Like, you know.
1: yeah, 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 correct. Yeah, and but still an amazing, you know, like if if they're the scenes that you left out of your original movie, right? Right. So mm. oh, okay. All right. You're you're not a bad film. <laughs> you're not a bad filmmaker. Right.
2: <laughs> Seriously. If that's what's left on the cutting room floor, damn. Yeah, damn.
1: Yeah. But, but also, you know, you were saying like Harvey Cattell two weeks out, you know, um not to uh, bring the story back to myself, but here I go. I sacked the lead actor. Typical uh, James <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, and <laughs> like Fever in Vendetta? Vendetta? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Who was two, it? Week, two weeks in, I just got an actor called James Purfoy. Yep. He's that guy from Rome who played Mark Antony. Yeah. He's fucking awesome. Right. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. awesome. He's not so awesome with a mask on now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right.
0: That's a tough kind of acting, yeah. too, though, right? I'm sure like people don't appreciate how hard it is to probably not be too expressionistic uh-huh but at yeah. the same time convey something you know with that mask on it's tough
1: yeah and that's you know like that's the sort of you know the the problem James had because he is a good actor and but like taking away the thing that he'd learned you know his face taking the thing that he'd learned 20 years to use that he mm-hmm. couldn't utilize anymore right because then, then it becomes you know really about your physicality mm-hmm. and he just, you know, he just couldn't get his head around it. And I remember, you know, when uh, I rang Hugo Weaving up, you know, who obviously I'd worked with on The Matrix and said, hey, look, you know, this is what we're doing, but I'd love you to come over and, you know, uh, be the character of V. But if you don't think you can act with the mask on, you know, like, don't bother. Right. And he said, look, you know, I was uh, brought up on, on mask acting, you know, when he went to uh, drama school, now hmm. Theatre, right? Mm-hmm. All this other mass work, Greek theater, and he said, "You know, I'm I'm into it." And he he came he came over, and one of the first scenes I did was like, you know, really one of the most difficult emotion, emotional scenes when Evie uh, gets let out of the Natalie Portman's character gets let out of the Potemkin prison, and she, you know, kind of realizes that that it's in V's lair, you know, V's um, mm-hmm. place where he lives and she comes out and goes oh my god it was you it was you all this time and at the moment as soon as hugo started acting i'm like oh my god i am totally saved this guy just saved my life." <laughs> yes <laughs> you guys like, didn't rehearse do you, like, do you hey, guys I'm... rehearse much but some have
0: always wondered a lot of directors are heavy into rehearsal but some do none is yeah. there more choreography going on with those films
1: yeah i mean i think this is this is what happens uh, you know uh, um as a director, you know when you, you when you're younger, there's a methodology that you you're taught, however you like taught it or, or or you know it, right? Um, and I think you're very, you know, like some of those rules and strictures you you keep very much in line. And then I think as you get older, you start to let some of those things go because you know, like if you you know if you rehearse and rehearse, it it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't really work out. It It's different if you just need to block, right? So, you know, the DP right. and the, sure. you know, the grip Logistical and, type stuff, yeah. Yeah, logistical type stuff. But, you know, I, I think that on uh Sense8, you know, the series uh, we did for Netflix, you know, we traveled all over the world and sometimes it just wasn't practical to, yeah. we, we sort of like block. But then we just go, oh, okay, just start shooting, you know, and that is also, I'd have to say, with the advent of digital, yeah. right? Yeah, you're you not wasting film. The
2: same thing yeah. occurred to me as you yeah, were saying yeah. that, yeah.
1: Yeah, because you, know, and, and it, you have and, more
2: freedom to Yeah,
1: you know, and, you don't, and you don't cut as much as a director, mm-hmm. right? You just go, mm-hmm. okay, go again, do another one. Yeah. You know, yep. you, you, you keep it going. And, you know, then that, as you start getting <laughs> free and around that stuff, you know, I know on the, the second season of Sense8, we really started getting free around the locations, right? We just go, you know, they'd show us, you know, photos and other locations. And then we just go to the AD. Well, why don't you go and check it out? And we promise we won't look where you park the trucks, right? You know, we sort of, <laughs> we sort of, right. we sort of like that. Right. And so, yeah, I think you become a little freer. And, you know, like to talk about Matrix 4 for a sec. You, I, we never rehearsed, to tell you the truth. We would just go, okay. You're going to be over there, and you're going to be over there. But you know, if that if that's not good, we'll just correct it on the next take. And that mm-hmm. and that's what you do. That is the beauty of digital, right? If you know, you have to junk the first take, right? It's no big deal, right. even if you're mm-hmm. shooting something high speed, right? You know, because I remember, like on the first Matrix uh, stuff, we'd shoot stuff at 150 frames, 300 frames. And there'd always be this tension, right? As you heard the film, just start to go. Mm-hmm. go Shit. <laughs> Never considered like, that. Interesting. Like, oh, my God, you can, you can actually like, hear you know, the like tension, you know. Mm-hmm. And so now you know, like you shouldn't do it. You don't care, right? Mm. No, just go. Okay, do do another one at three hundred frames. Who, who cares? Do another one at one fifty, and. And I think it also, you know, like your workflow after as well. Once you get into editorial, right, it's a bit of a, more Definitely. of a pain, right, you know, because they have to come through more material. Yeah, but you pretty much know what you want generally, you know. What and at it least takes. it's on a computer and not like actually cutting
2: literal film, you know, <laughs> that makes it easier. Yeah.
1: Are you guys working yeah, on we- sport
0: storyboards? Or are you completely improvising just once you get to set?
1: uh no there you know i think a lot of you know it is in the prep right i mean i think that that is a truism of, of the film industry right so mm-hmm. you know you take a, a a movie that has scale you know like like the matrix and you know you have to um do previews and not and i don't mean like uh, computer generated previews but you're working out the aesthetic of the movie right so Uh, On this movie, on Matrix 4, you know, we probably had about 15 artists, I guess, you know, like concept concept artists. Yeah, yeah, concept art. That's fun. And so, yeah, it's fun. And in the process of, like, working that out, as you're working that out, how does this look? What's that, you know, what's (laughs) that person doing? Where are they situated? And then to actually work out some of that concept art, you do do storyboards, you know, just so you go, oh, right. So, you know, that needs to be there and, mm-hmm. you know, this piece of machinery needs to be here and that building, you know, it would be great in that street. And so in that early process of like doing the concept art, doing some, you know, storyboard work to work out the concept art, you start cementing, you know, all that narrative in your head and, and your aesthetic and, you know, the, your visualization of, you know, like, what the film will be. So for, you know, for a good part of it, um, once you get to set and you shoot something, once you go back to the concept art or the thumbnail storyboards you've done, they're pretty close because you just now have it in your Yeah, internalize it. Uh Yeah, now having said that, the the first, second and third matrix are completely different. You know, the the whole of the first matrix was storyboarded because they couldn't get the, the, you know, Lana and Lily back then. Um, They couldn't get anyone to bankroll the movie. And the only way they eventually got to bankroll the movie is by making a graphic novel of the first movie, Mm. right? So you can hold up the storyboards from the first movie, like frame for frame, and they would shoot it frame for frame, right? You know, like they would like hold up their storyboards and, you know, then you'd lens up and that would be, you know, what we shot. And then in the second and third m- movie, there's like storyboards again, uh, you know. And then there was this whole pre-visualization which was like for the Battle of Zion. That was a whole computer-generated, mm. you know, thing, fifteen-minute segment that was kind of like that Peter Jackson shit for The Hobbit. Yeah, correct, yeah. exactly correct. And so, you know, in the way that, you know, the filmmakers, you know, have changed over the years, so, you know, so has their style of, you know, making movies too. So, you know, like now it's a, you know, it's a, a lot freer, a lot looser. This is a much different process and, you know, they're just different. We're all, I guess we're all different filmmakers. It's 20 years since we did those yeah. movies.
0: The only crazy thing about the digital too is while it gives you that freedom, it also allows a david fincher to do 78 takes of the same right. thing or whatever you know what yeah I mean? do you guys because that That's runs a, counter too with a, the rehearsal of it that you're kind of sucking eventually yeah. the life out of the performance you know that you feel like the actors i mean even the truest pros probably only have so much mojo to put into so many takes you know
1: yeah you, you know this is what i would say about that you know is that it is no surprise to me that Fincher makes movies about serial killers, right? Serial <laughs> killers are about control. Yeah, exactly. Right? Right. Sadism and control. Uh,
2: no man. empathy for the actors. He
0: <laughs> <laughs> says movies should leave scars. He might want his actors.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, but but, uh, but why, right? Like right. Is it, This is the thing I think as you get a little older, what you know. W- Why does the process, and and I understand it when you're younger, right? Because you sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, that's maybe a bit of what your genetic makeup is then. And not to sound like everything gets better as you get older, because it doesn't, right? As your body starts to shut down, right? Right. But, me about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know like at some point you just go why why does making a film have to be miserable you know mm-hmm. and, and it's in
2: the yeah some people seem to mistake effort or like the pain involved as being like of of this high value where you could view it as more the result is the most important thing not like if it took this much extra effort or something you know like yeah it's like they, they make either art an act of attrition or something Mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah, and i think like sometimes you end punishment. up with a miserable film right like you know like look at mank right did you guys see mank
2: yeah, yeah we just reviewed it actually yeah
1: yeah and i don't you know i don't i, I don't know whether you guys loved it or didn't love it but you no, know, it
2: kind it, of uh fell flat for us like it just we did a like, double feature
0: of it yeah. in the trauma movie honor killing and of the two our favorite was trauma yeah.
1: honor yeah. killing <laughs> right but yeah and i'm not surprised you know because mank's like a miserable movie right yeah. You know i mean and and there's n- nothing to say anything about the filmmaking to tell you the truth it's yeah, just, yeah. right it's kind of like you know uh, you know it's almost like you know finch is daring you know now to go hey well i'm at least as good as orson welles when he made citizen kane right? he's kind of like I <laughs> kind of
0: inferring like that. that i yeah. do give him props and i did in that review of him getting this big netflix <laughs> deal and the first thing he makes out of the gate is just some shit he wants to make for himself. Yeah. Like good for yeah. you, you know. Yeah. Um. And th- but
1: and that's a. But as an
2: experience, it might be just it, for yeah. himself. You know. Yeah.
1: Right? <laughs> and that's a good position to get to, too, right? Hell yeah! The so, brass yeah. ring, man. Yeah. Deserve it deserves it. Really is. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to you know slam david fincher but you know like some of the actors love it you know we're working with an actor you know who did uh mind hunter and mm. um he loved the process he's mm. like yeah okay I'll, you know like if, if you like to act i'll do it all day long you know yeah for sure yeah i'll do it but you know i i actually saw uh, a thing with Ben Affleck and Fincher, and Ben Affleck, yeah, they were interviewing each other. Of, of Affleck was interviewing Fincher, mm. and he's like, Yeah, that's really shit, David. I don't want to do 50 takes or 60 takes. It's like, you know. <laughs> so obviously, he gets pulled out on. You know, it's like, got to be
0: kind of demoralizing if you're like, yeah. If everything yeah. else is blocked, right, and everything's perfect, you're just saying right. the performance isn't right, right 60 fucking times. I yeah. mean, that's tough to take, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is tough to take. <laughs>
0: yeah who was i just watching i don't think it was necessarily this uh heart of darkness but i was watching some director work and some kind of making of behind the scenes shit and they were essentially saying they'd know what they wanted when they got it like they were shooting not even knowing exactly what they wanted and they would do all these takes over and over and over again man i wish i could remember who it was because i'm pretty sure it wasn't coppola it was some other thing i was watching but the actor was like what do you want from me
2: dude i don't know oh, it we'll was, know when we it get was kubrick
0: somebody was talking about kubrick yeah, i was wondering man. if it was him yeah uh, uh, and he was just like i'll know when i see it yeah so that puts you in a fucked up place as an actor right. too that you just got to keep doing stuff and throwing shit at the wall essentially And so at some point he sees whatever magical thing resonates with him and calls cut yeah. but man it's tough
1: yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, that documentary or where you saw that wasn't for the shining, right? Like he, he's, uh, his daughter made it and he was, mm-hmm. you know, he was torturing Shelley Duvall. Right. And, right. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, but you know, she was like, he had to run around outside in the snow. And I, I kind of remember her going, I don't know what you want. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, I'll tell you when I, when I have it. Right. And look, I'm, I, I mean, I think everyone has a process and there's no right or wrong. Right. And, and I think that, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, like kind of gets you there. Right. And I don't know. And and I know some people like also like chaos too. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I've been lucky enough to be an AD and be a director. Right. And, You know, when I, uh, you know, when I was growing up being an AD, you know, I used to look at the first ADs before me and like some of those guys, you know, they just specialized in humiliation, right? I mean, that's (laughs) that's how they uh, they ran the set, right? Very military style. (laughs) Yeah, very Yeah, always someone they would pick on, you know, and in the same ways that directors would Mm. as well. And I just sort of vowed to myself, if I ever got, you know, I said, if I ever become a first AD, I am not, that is not the way I am going to do it, right? I am going to make a generation, (laughs) I'm going to make a generational change right here. And, you know, I think that was the major difference, you know, like between me and, you know, whoever my mentor guys were, and I'm not saying that because I work with some amazing ADs, but I was just like, all right, I'm gonna change this, and I'm not. I'm gonna be more. You know, I'm the assistant director. Mm-hmm. I'm not the assistant production uh, producer, right? And so I'll do everything I can to facilitate facilitate the director, right? And I think, in a way, that's where, you know, I think in a way that's how me and the Wachowskis ended up, you know, working together and then forming a bond because, like, you know, honestly, by the time that you know, I met those guys. You know, I'd probably done somewhere between fifteen and twenty movies as an assistant director, right? And this was their second movie, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, they're, they're they're a they're a quick study, right? Like they are, you know, filmmakers that are I don't know, you know, they're sort of like Mensa level filmmakers at some point, right? They just come in, sort of. You know, Knowing what they want, but I think there was we had this great sort of you know the cross hybrid where I could facilitate the stuff that they didn't know because they hadn't done enough movies, like mm-hmm. you know, the makeup of you know how a film set runs. And you know, th- those guys were, you know, were obviously on a path already, right? the fact that they got you know 80 million bucks to the right. Matrix for their second movie is kind of crazy, horrible, right? Yeah. You know? But, um, and I, and you know, like just to go back around on it, yeah, I think that a lot of those directors have passed now too, the directors who just yell and shout and, mm-hmm. and humiliate all day, right? Because, you know, now, especially now, it's not going to be... Except colored. Charles <laughs> Whedon, apparently. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, right. The last gasp, maybe, right?
0: Yeah. 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 L'enfant terrible, right?
1: Yeah, I, remember you know one... I think there's like, you know, guys like that, like Scorsese and all those guys, right? I think a lot of them were, they were real hotheads. And, mm-hmm. you know, as long as your films made money.
0: Well, just the played. idea of the passionate auteur back then. And you look at yeah. a lot of these amazing fucking movies we have, like Michael Mann's films and Oliver Stone's films, and you hear about them being mm. megalomaniacs, and yeah. you start to think, megalomania might be a prerequisite right. or a <laughs> required ingredient to make yeah. such amazing films but uh, uh, i don't think that's the case you know i think it's nah, just them getting away with half i remember yeah. we were in johnny yeah. depp's office and he had a dartboard with oliver stone's face on it and we're like oh shit did you get that made after uh, being on platoon? platoon and his exec said no, actually, Oliver Stone got those made and gave them out to all of the cast and crew at the end of filming, oh, yeah. <laughs> acknowledging that he had been a bit of a tyrant, you know, yeah. madman.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's it's that thing, you know, it's it's. You, sometimes you go, you know, because all those filmmakers you just mentioned make amazing films about the human condition, right? Yes. They do. They have like this insight into you know how how we are as humans. And then you go, well, how does that square away with you treating humans, you know, really? Well, that they're flawed humans
0: as well, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah it's like it.
2: bullies who bully other people because of the, yeah their
0: experiences or what have you. And, I mean, you you know this, but you are just maybe more equipped, you know, personality type-wise, et cetera, to handle it gracefully, but the enormous pressure a filmmaker's under, mm. uh, a director specifically, with all the money and the, you know, scheduling and everything's on your shoulders to deliver on time under budget, and the, again, the scope of some of those films they're making are truly epic and shit. And I could see some bad days on set. Like we all have bad days in our normal lives in cubicles yeah. and shit. So to be yeah. under that kind of pressure, you got to give some people some space and let them redeem themselves once shit is wrapped and everything. But again, like you said, at least strive to treat everybody humanely and cool and shit, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you do. And you're right. You know, like some days, you know, of course every day isn't perfect. And of course right. it's, you know, external forces that, you know, maybe, you know, some days m- make you not your best self. Right. That's how I yeah. would say even but what you have for
2: lunch might affect.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But there's, you know, there's the difference between that being like your modus operandi, right? Yes. So how you make... How you yeah, make. yeah. But look, you know, like lots of those filmmakers in the 70s that we just, you know, touched on, right? Like they made amazing movies. They were given like amazing creative freedom to do. And they did really interesting stuff, right? Yes. But now you can feel the yolk, you know the the yoke is a little bit like t- tighter now and you know unfortunately i think you know we've fallen into the trap uh, a little bit right it's like the sort of bread and circuses thing right like do, do we all want more marvel movies right mm-hmm. uh, do we i mean how many times can i see gotham be destroyed i'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. sure yeah. right how many That's more times
2: entertainment than art
1: yeah yeah how many more times can i see the origin story of a, like a superhero right, mm-hmm. right. And, 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 and i know right like they they feed a, they feed into a, a lot you know a, a larger thematic of what's going on in our society especially like in the states right. at the moment right which is you know, the empire is falling, right? The, the, you know, the United States empire is falling and we need something to make us feel good, like we can still save the world, right? Mm -hmm. In the way that the Western, you know, worked in post- more america right i mean i think they're very specific american genres you know like those, those two things. yeah
2: like the reclamation superhero. of the spirit the american spirit or something yeah yeah, yeah
1: you know and a
2: lot of it like uh, the superhero thing you do see tinges too of sort of like the uh, cautionary tale the warning signs like you have um i don't know if you've seen the boys like homelander you know the, the biggest villain is like the most patriotic like superman type character you know um and um the the winter soldier the falcon and winter soldier similar thing you know like the captain america is now sort of the bad guy you know (laughs) so you see that sort of like again the spirit of the country kind of warring with itself on that front so i see what you mean thematically they do touch on those things a lot but
1: yeah um, they do and look you know i i I, you know more than anyone know that i'm not the demographic that uh, you know i'm that we're trying to capture at the moment right right you know, very generically, you know, when you test a film, it's like, and when, once you push it out into the market, it's, you know, the, the quadrants are like males under 25, females under 25. Mm, they're not the spending the money. Yeah, right. And then yeah. the, the, the two other categories are 25 and up, right? Yeah. And so, and the main category is still like boys under 25, still like men under 25, because, mm-hmm. They're still the people who go back to the cinema again and again, on the yeah. same weekend, on the same day, who watch. Which it was
2: up. us at that age, yeah. too, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but we were into some crazy shit, not Definitely, Fast
0: and Furious right. movies necessarily. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. But, uh,
2: yeah, that's true.
0: It might speak yeah. something more to the American school system and how we've sucked mm-hmm. art programs dry mm-hmm. and stuff. And yeah, you know? culture. So, yeah. The viewers just aren't as sophisticated or into interesting, compelling shit like in the 70s, you know what I mean? And even yeah. just the counterculture of the time. You know, you're feeling the reverberations of the counterculture into the 60s. If you want to go back to Coppola and his yeah. movies, you know, yeah. and we look at the end, the way it's utilized, the door song the end, yeah. and Apocalypse is fucking fantastic. But, uh, yes, You know, yeah. if we were to be drawing from the previous generation's music, there's some mm. good stuff, but it ain't the end. The psychedelic aspect that infiltrated <laughs> the 70s stuff, you know, which even mm. something like The Conversation. The paranoia of it almost feels like how a drug can make you feel paranoid you know what i mean yeah it's like psychedelic without the psychedelic visuals
1: yeah and i look i i think like coming you know like out out of the 60s uh, coppola wasn't like exactly in it he was like pushing at the you know he was really pushing at the edges of it right like Milius, right like <laughs> Milius is like, he just got more right wing as he got a little older, right? Yeah. And it, you can feel that, like, if uh, Coppola didn't have his uh, hands all over um, all over Apocalypse Now, it would have been a very different movie. I don't know if you've ever read the Milius script of uh, Apocalypse Now. It's on the internet. No, I haven't. Yeah, read
2: but... Heart of Darkness, but not the script. The... Yeah, in yeah, seeing
0: the, the Hearts of Darkness documentary, though, the big issue Coppola had with the end is that it just became this big shoot 'em up. Essentially, yeah. you know, see, okay. Millius being somewhat right wing in his heart, even though yeah. he's b- progressed more that way over the yeah. years, that you look at war as valiant, valiant, and the, the gallantry of it and the valiance of it and everything, the honor like of Duval's it, like
2: character. Yeah. Whereas a
0: guy like Coppola is
2: like, Fuck war, war is hell, war's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. we're not gonna, yeah. yeah, that resonates with me a hell of a lot more for sure, exactly.
1: Yeah, no, I you know I think you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, that you know the the, the themes that that movie touches on, right? That that, that just doesn't that doesn't get made that movie anymore. Dude, right? you, you can't like a damn shame too. Yeah, you, you know, like that that it's a it's a pity that a movie like that doesn't uh, uh, get made. I I do hold out hope, right? Because you know, if there's one thing about streaming TV is like this is the first time in a long time where they're taking a risk to make stuff. Right. Cause the censorship, like on TV is, you know, uh, a lot looser, right. Like, you know, with the MPAA, you know, like, with, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I was just doing dubbing the other day, you know, like ADR looping with the yeah. actors, right. You still can't like say shit and poo and wee. It's oh you know, like mm-hmm. ter- yeah, stupid, like cocksucker, whatever, whatever it is. Right you can't say any of that in a movie you you have to like when you when that you, is so react,
2: absurdly antiquated and like,
1: right? can't say fuck you know it's like it's kind of ridiculous you could
2: but, blow people's heads off but you can't say <laughs> cocksucker
1: right. yeah yeah you you can't you can't you know show anyone having sex but you can crush a baby's skull right right, it's, right. right. it's
2: it's so backwards yeah it's basically howard stern's battle
0: with the fcc but mm-hmm. you know
1: yeah sure. but like you get um, you know get on one of the streaming services and you can do pretty much whatever you want to do and i think that if there's hope it's like the generational hope of all those kids who are getting brought up on the streaming services it, even though you know the streaming services there's a you know there's a fair amount of Walmart, right they mm-hmm. they right yeah. like it really is and i know they're just like you know spinning a spinning a thing and hoping something hits now right But there is some good stuff. Some of the stuff that does hit is really great. And I think generationally, the people who are getting brought up on that stuff, hopefully, because, you know, people are a little more politically, you know, a little more politically awake at the moment, that maybe there will be some good stuff coming out of that, right? There there will be not just all this like cookie cutter stuff we've had for the past 10 years.
2: Yeah. and hopefully yeah there is like a cyclical nature to it where people do get fatigued doing the same thing for too long and they do want to go back to more risky artistic material
1: yeah yeah you know it's kind of like the death of the western right why that happen?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: right because i'm here to tell you you know like i uh, you know my main influence of watching uh, films is my dad right and he had an inexhaustible you know, West knowledge of westerns. I'm like, how do they make this many westerns? Right? To like, that's turn them out. Art, right? That's mm-hmm. what he's like to be, you know, be film art. And um I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit the same. If you like junk, you know what all the Marvel stuff is, all the DC stuff across film and across TV at the moment. Just, there's yards and yards and yards of it. And at some point, I mm-hmm. think you absolutely yeah get sick of it.
0: Or at least you know, like Chris said, with the boys, they're subverting it. But shit, I mean, V for yeah. Vendetta was subverting it back when mm-hmm. it
2: was made because Alan Moore has always
0: subverted the genre of comic right. books. Right, Alan shit, Moore you know? is
2: amazing. Yeah how how trippy was it to see the Guy Fox mask appearing with the anonymous stuff that yeah, they're taking that revenge. as their uh, <laughs> <laughs> their uh, yeah. you know iconic symbol?
1: Yeah, like a uh, amazing, right? You know, because when you you guys know uh, when you make um any piece of art your your biggest hope is that somehow it'll slip into the cultural vernacular Mm. right you know and then you know that to see the film you know like that there was obviously the graphic novel and then there was the film but But, you know the film film brought it
2: to the forefront of the uh, public consciousness yeah
1: yeah, because it's like the true sort of 20th century art form, right? Yeah, uh-huh, making, uh-huh. right? And so people could now understand, you know, what that mask meant. Whereas if it was, you know, lots of people read comics and graphic novels, but you, there's no way that you get <clears throat> the audience. Right. You get going to see the cinema or going to see it on DVD or streaming mm-hmm. or whatever. And then, you know, a lot of the times, you know, something you put in a movie gets, you know, misappropriated, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Totally off base. But I think for the most part, you know, people actually got it, like the Arab Spring, right? You know, the Scientology guys, the Occupy Wall Street guys, Anonymous, right? They're all like, you know what? There is power. There is power in a mask. There is, you know, I is we, right? Like everyone sort of understood that that is ultimately, what the film was trying to say, you know, what the mask was, you know, uh, trying to say. And also that, you know, we were having a discussion, you know, during those, and it's hard to remember back to the Bush years, the Bush administration, right? We sort of dared to have a discussion about what the morality of terrorism was, you know, like two two years after we invaded Iraq, right, pretty much. And And surveillance. Yeah, surveillance, you know, all, all those things. And at the time, you know you're just saying you know things are cyclical and circular that that was the same you know like in the way that alan moore and uh, david lloyd wrote viva vendetta on the back of thatcherism right and all its you know repression of you know cultural values and Mm -hmm. you know trying to repress society um we sort of like took it and made an update to comment on the Bush administration yeah. or uh-huh. other administrations or you know governments that had come before it, and then I think that it's it's lived on in that way right like the Arab Spring was like
2: definitely yeah on and Arab it got Spring. hijacked eventually of course unfortunately but yeah it I does. Love that line I love that line about guy Fox um, you know going in to blow up Parliament and the line is something like um the only man to enter parliament with honest intentions. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, fucking gangster. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No. And but like, the, you know, it's like amazing that the mask is out there, you know, but uh, I try to get my hands on one just to kick this off with the mask
0: on.
2: Like, what's yeah. Right, yeah. Too short yeah. notice. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: well, and you can't control, you know, you can't control it too. Right. That that's also a beauty in it. Right. Because, I, I, you know, like, I'm happy for it to be left or right or down the center, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. can't control. Once you push something out into the marketplace, you can't control it. But, yeah, pretty amazing to see it live on like that, I'd have to say.
2: Yeah. Jay and I came out with a feature film recently. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. Cactus Jack. It's about this neo-Nazi guy in his mom's basement. And Anonymous eventually catches he catches their attention because he starts a podcast down there and he Uh builds all these enemies and acolytes and stuff and and then yeah anonymous you know uh, sends a message to him that we're coming after you you know (laughs) we'll send you a copy if you want to check it out
1: oh yeah no i can get it online somewhere yeah 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 yeah, i'll
2: send you a link right now it's a very
1: 70s
0: (laughs) it's a movie oh, that huh. might not have been made Talk about risky yeah.
2: very, trigger warning
0: but like coppola we made it you know well i wouldn't say on our own money we had some people pitch in a couple of investors but we made it for like 25 grand so mm-hmm. it's oh, a wow. well, it's funny it. at the very end of hearts of darkness coppola the last thing he says in that documentary is right. he's talking about the advent of the eight millimeter camera that he hopes kids and everybody will get a hold of and yeah. it and essentially what he's talking about is cell phones, what cell phones does for us yeah. now that a whole generation of non filmmakers or whatever, will pick these things up and make films. And then we'll truly have an art form again. Yeah. You
2: know? It'll be more merit based than access based, you know, yeah. that if you yeah. democratize it and it is hopefully the, the people who are really doing something interesting will come to the surface and not so much just the people who can, who are able to, to, you know, get access to that kind of right uh, technology. Well, and like our review of Mank versus honor killing, like, more respect
0: for the trauma film that had no resources, but tried to tell the story, even in his janky ass manner that it did it, you know, with the bad acting and all the issues that come with
2: that. It's almost more endearing, as a but it's more endearing.
0: It's kind of more impressive. It's more of a, you know, that's why people love that movie, American movie of Wisconsin's own Mark Borschart trying to make his film. You know, it's just like, there's something to be said for somebody trying to express themselves through this medium, but they're not a David Fincher, this technical wizard, you know, yeah.
1: Well, I, I, I you know, you bring up a salient point, right? Is like you can give a whole bunch of people like the hardware, right? But you have to be able to tell a story. I mean, uh, and mm-hmm. that's ultimately what it, you know, comes True. down to, right? And I, you know, I think Coppola's right. You know, he's kind of a visionary in that way, right? Like Absolutely. if you look at the next movie he made after Apocalypse Now, he made One from the Heart, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's the first movie to utilize electronic cinema, right? And it was. He, he did it all wrong. And I think he he feels like he got a little screwed, right? Because he had this idea that he'd shoot it um, uh, like theater, but he would have the sets in this lot, you know, in the lot, wherever he was down in LA there somewhere, I forget on Rally Studios lot. And he'd have a street and he'd have the houses and you would move with the actors between the houses and into the street and, you know, inside and outside. Mm-hmm. And, And I think Vittorio Storaro, you know, as they got like three days before they went to shoot, he's like, "I can't do, I can't light all this, you know, I can't light it all." (laughs) Perfect, yeah, yeah. And so, I and I think it's sort of, you know, and then it became this sort of grand folly. But uh, you know, you you have to admire that guy. He takes after, yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, that's something to really admire, and you know, and 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 then you know, so he. He has a failure, and what's the next thing he does? The next thing he does is, like, the Outsiders and (laughs) Rumblefish. Which are great, and especially kind of interesting
0: where the Outsiders is so much more normatively made than Rumblefish, which is pretty experimental, actually, in some of the shit it does, and beautiful, just a visual trip. But uh, even in the stuff like the Outsiders, he is old school in that sense. One of the beautiful things I love about apocalypse now that gives it this feeling of this just treacherous odyssey and time passing and the humidity and heat of it and everything is the way he transitions using dissolves like who the fuck uses yeah. dissolves mm-hmm. anymore <laughs> hardly anyone right. but for that languid pace down the river and this journey yeah, it's just it's the perfect way it. to yeah. artistically yeah. and he would do a lot of that shit even in bram stoker in oh. camera uh-huh. in old school editing in camera like it was yep. some dw yeah. griffith shit or something it's crazy He's a true yeah. artist, man.
1: Yeah, and, you know, like, I, you know, I worked with the, you know, Reeds and Keanu a bit. He, he, you know, he loved working on... Oh, um, man, I bet. Yeah, Dracula,
0: right? That just movie's just, crazy, dude. It's got <laughs> some weird things about it, but, man, he took
1: a fucking swing, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, that was his sort of comeback, right? Because yeah, he's been, like, doing money for cash, right? Because I think he was, like, super broke and you know, I think he did Jack, you know, like yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. But, uh, you know, like just to go back to Apocalypse Now, right? Like, if you look at that movie and you string the vignettes, like, together that to make up that movie and that journey down the river, it's just, like, one amazing sequence followed by an amazing set piece followed by an amazing sequence. Insanity. Like, yeah, you just go, wow. That, and, you know, that is, like, hard to do and you like know all those characters intimately even like you know duval who comes across like as kilgore right like he does like this amazing thing nearly with you know or with nearly all the characters where he he gives them all a very intimate personal scene before you realize what their larger you know position in the overall narrative is right so you -hmm.
2: set up the character a bit yeah
1: yeah yeah it's kind of nice you know like with the chief on the boat and Mr. Clean, the Fishburne character and the crazy mm-hmm. acid kid. What's he, the, you know, the, yeah. Sam Bottoms, I think. The, yep, the Sam actor.
0: Bottoms is the guy. I'm trying to remember his name yeah. of the character.
1: Anyway, you know, like he's like taking acid and surfing off totally. the back of the boat. And, you <laughs> know, he makes it all believable and, you know, like smooth and that kind of voiceover narrative is, you know, it, it's, it's pretty compelling, I'd have mm-hmm. to say. that's hard hard to do right you know like if you take a film like blade runner right
2: yeah we just discussed that exact subject recently too on the podcast yeah
1: yeah well to me it falls down to whether
2: whether it's color or play-by-play the voiceover you know if it's color it's so much more immersive and and it serves something whereas if it's play-by-play it's not as interesting to me you know
1: yeah yeah it's a delicate thing yeah yeah you know it's a, d- a delicate thing you know it's a total objective subjective thing right that you always get into mm-hmm. filmmaking yeah. right you know like yeah. what you know what you know what's your position as the filmmaker right like, like you view in it you're out it you're observing it you're inside mm-hmm. it, you, know, all those, you know decisions that you make how you know,
2: literary I- it feels
0: or you know immediate yeah. pretentious he talked about as well he uh-huh. said that's the worst thing for a filmmaker is you you want to be accomplishing these things and saying these things to your film but the last thing you want to be is pretentious. Yeah. He says, and you make all these films, and then eventually you're like, fuck it. I'm going to just yeah. do what I want to do, and if it comes out pretentious, fuck everybody. Yeah, you know? right. so, <laughs> with a film like that, you especially have to be careful, but yeah. Chris and I, we have this thing we discovered years ago, and this apologies to our mom. She complains how much I cuss on this podcast, but we're like, you can be as pretentious as you want to be so long as you pepper it with some shits and fucks. Like, wow. it's the Bukowski trick, you know? <laughs> all so, right. Uh, apocalypse now does that it's pretentious but it has enough shits and fucks in it for sure you know
1: yeah yeah and it has enough you know like yes it has has enough like character like characters that just keep you going in the journey. it is like the odyssey in a way right like you're something very much you know and you know by the time by the time you get to like dennis hopper up the river at the compound yes. you know, so you buy you buy it i mean like if you had that in another movie you go come on what, what, what? yes and, but it's know, earned like, it
2: it's earned it by that point yeah, the, the yeah we've all gone madness. mad by that point
1: it's kind of yeah. like it needs it at that the point yeah i i tell you i tell you, what is like an amazing also in that movie which is an amazing um Thing in films generally is the music, right? I mean, yeah. that is Ooh. like something. Like you
2: said, the end, as Jay mentioned, and then like fly to the Valkyries and stuff, of course. Mm. And well, look at the major
0: What moments. it did for techno music. I got right? friends who became techno fans from yeah. that that film. You know.
1: Yeah, and it, you know, it, it is what You know, it is one of like the the true joys. Like we're in the middle of the music at the moment, but. You know, the our composer is uh, Tom tickfer You know, the guy who, who the director who does, you know, Run roll, Run and oh uh, yeah, yeah, totally the you know and the international and all that's that. how you pronounce his name. All right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, like that. You know, Run Lola Run was also one of the first, yeah. like, you know, to really utilize techno, right? Like you guys were just saying, propulsive. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know. Uh, and music is, you know, like, as you, know, you guys know, you're filmmakers, like, you can feel like you go, oh my God, this scene, what, oh my God, what, how did I, what, I did everything wrong. And then you put a piece of music to it, you go, oh my God, I'm a genius. I mean, I like that. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, like, to do the music at the mama, like with Tom, you know, he just like hears things as a musician that I, 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 I'm like, how do you hear that? I, 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 you know, I've made a lot of movies with a lot of music. he just has like this ease oh my god he's always the cool collaborative aspect of film that if you are operating at
0: a certain level if you get to that level that you're at you're working with amazing artists as collaborators
1: you know yeah 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 he's you know like uh truly then this you know this score is like it's it's amazing as a you know like the the process and uh as a filmmaker and it's a truly liberating process is he, he he Records the orchestra and writes the music before you even shoot. Right. Like, Crazy. so, Interesting. yeah, yeah, yeah. It does so, wow. you never, have, you never so have to, can
2: serve as inspiration for the actual creative side, too. I imagine yeah. if you already can have sort of a soundtrack to, yeah, you, know, you have to like you
1: have film against or are. write against. Yeah, correct because you have themes, right? Like you have them like going around in your head. And then once you get into the editorial process, right? You never have to temp anything. All you do is temp with the music that's been written for the movie. Yeah,
2: that's fun. Yeah. Oh, like, uh, so, like, fun. And there's so many happy accidents too, like The Dark Side of the Moon with the Pink Floyd, you know, Pink Floyd and Wizard of Oz, you know, that you just can yeah. almost pair any piece of music up and you'll find these moments where it yeah. lines up perfectly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember, you know, Lily Wachowski came in, uh, you know, we were making the second movie. She said, hey, someone told me to, you can pair up Wish You Were Here to the to the Matrix. And, um, oh, yeah? Did you try yeah. it? What's that? Did you guys try it? I didn't try it. I think she tried it. But... You know, I didn't try. I'm like, wow, really? That sounds. <laughs> you no, know, I should have gone. Uh, <laughs> seems like
2: that album. You can right. pretty much pair anything. Well, like you said, just all that <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah,
1: find
0: Synergistic, happy accidents abound. You know what I'm saying? Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, if 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 something's popping with you know stuff right. happening throughout, you know, it's almost like guaranteed
0: rhythms match up. You know. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: know.
2: Yeah. You
0: go
1: sorry.
2: Well, I was just going to say, I don't know how much time we have left, but I was going to say, um, there was one, and maybe we can do this in overtime if you want to stick around for a bit. But when we were hanging out in that bar after that pitch meeting, I do remember one of your stories was about the highway scene. And I think it was Matrix 2 or 3, I forget which one. Yeah.
1: Two, two, yeah.
2: yeah, where you had this moment, like this oh shit moment. D- yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you, you want to know, tell that story for our tell audience? Tell that story. Yeah. I got another beer ready. I don't remember it exactly either. So I kind of want to hear it mm-hmm. again.
1: Uh, I I think it was like when we like did the, you know, like the 40 car pile up and, um, you know, we had, uh, I was on the back of the tracking vehicle and we had like uh, five cameras that were going to, you know, the agent jumps from one car and lands on the other and it like flies up into the air and, you know, all these cars like come crashing into it. And so I had this whole system. Like if I got to this big exit Wabash Avenue exit, and all the cameras weren't rolling, I'd call like a board, right? And so we were shooting all high speed, and there's like, you know, people all over the back of the training vehicles, and we <laughs> start to roll, and all the stunt guys are in there, and there's all the pyrotechnic all loaded up in the cars to jack the cars up in the air and make them flip and fly and catch on fire and that. And then, you know, we're, we're going down, and one camera rolls, and the other camera rolls, and I'm looking up at the sign coming up, and the third camera rolls, and then one camera goes, not rolling and then the other camera goes not rolling and then <laughs> I
2: go, and bought, everything's I in motion <laughs>
1: Everyone, everyone, everyone and then you know I never forget you know like we come screaming to the halt and we'd been pulling the car the car that was going to flip up into the air with this cable and they snapped the cable between the tracking gears oh, and the car without the engine and the cable starts whipping all over the place <laughs> and everyone be careful with that mm. yeah everyone like comes to this stop and everyone's like good. I never forget all the car doors of you know, all the cars come up and I, I remember about forty stunt guys all walking down the freeway to me, like they're totally like amped up. Like, they're like oh, they like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> <laughs> their like
2: hearts are pounding and adrenaline's yeah, okay, going yeah. and then just kind of, yeah, yeah, like Aww. they're all in
1: fire suits and helmets. This guy was just, just about to hit the pyro <laughs> button. But then, we, but then we went off and we did it and, you know, we did it. And we crashed like 30 cars and then we didn't get something. We did it all over again the next day.
0: Would you, are you guys doing physical stunts and shit like that on this film? Or is it all CGI based?
1: No, no, no. We've come full circle, right? Like we were the first people really like on the major. I don't want to sound too grandiose here, but we were one of the first people, true, like, bro. you know, like make, uh, make films in a green box. Right. Right. Now Mm -hmm. all those Marvel movies, you know, to take an example, they make them all in a green box because I don't think Mm -hmm. they can get all the actors together all at once, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. But we've totally gone the other way. We're like, you know, we're like, okay, in this movie, in Matrix 4, and you can look at it on the internet, we got Keanu and Carrie-Anne Moss, you know, Trinity and Neo to jump off a 45-story building, right? For real, right? And so we're like, you know, because there's something in that physicality that you cannot, yes. I'm here to tell you, you cannot match. Yeah. It's like on their faces. It's in it's like good the, to hear. It's I in agree. the way they're flying. Right. And those guys, <laughs> much of them was more right? scared,
0: Carrie Ann or Keanu? Who was more I scared? Know, they, were both,
1: they were both amazing. Talk about Magellan rush. The first morning we did it, when, <clears> uh, we did it at dawn. And yeah, we did it over successive days, right? the first uh, day she did it when they reel Kerry ann back up I'm like all right you jumped off as Carrie ann and uh-huh. you came back up as Trinity she was like nice. <laughs> the change her face was like, uh-huh. it's like incredible it was like so incredible and re- you know they did it they jumped off that building like 15 times it was like amazing. That's crazy yeah. wow what
0: a fucking job they have what a job you have Especially when you're filming like say that highway scene you go back to as a kid you're watching these humble westerns with your dad and you're just like it has to, your life has to be surreal so many times like i remember one other story you were on. telling
2: was about being uh, in a black hawk helicopter that just went vertical like super fast in the
1: city <laughs> yeah. in like san francisco <laughs> or something and you were just they uh, saw the ground just like
2: <laughs> <"Aah!" "Whoa." laughs>
1: yeah, uh, yeah they, they, those guys you know i was uh, shooting some reshoots on that terrible movie the invasion for warner brothers for joel silver actually is who i did it for um uh, but um, yeah, they said, Hey, you know, they're, they're taking me on a survey over downtown LA, and they said, Hey, do you want this the the, the door off? And I'm mm-hmm. like, Yeah, I know I had done plenty of helicopter stuff at that point. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, take the door off, sure. Yeah, and so I'm like in this little jump seat, but you know, usually you have like a piece of you know, like plexiglass or something between you and the ground, but <laughs> <laughs> the ground starts disappearing, and you know, like the you know, like the thump of those yes. black is crazy, and then You know, I didn't want to go. Hey, can you put me down and you know put the door back on? So we went all the way down, you know, from Burbank all the way over to downtown LA, flying amongst all the buildings down there. And I'm like, there with the door off, right? I mean, I got you've got to die.